Take your, take your Bibles, and I'm going to dribble for a few minutes because that's what I do. Um, but, but Proverbs, uh, obviously, is where we're going this morning. Um, and, and Mike, unfortunately, man, it's, it's not connecting, so you're going to have to try to, I'll try to give you a hand signal or something um, so we can move through a lot. Of, I'm putting a lot of verses on the screen this morning, so you can pray for Mike right now. Um, <laughs> it could get interesting. Proverbs 18, in particular, is where we're going to launch from, and then we're going to be all over the place. While, while you're there, or turning there, um, one of the th- things that has stood out to me much um, in the last few weeks, months, and even in the last year is, is sort of what Rob landed on there at the end, is look what God's doing. You, we, we need to stop just for a few minutes to have our eyes opened to see what it is that God is accomplishing in some of the most unlikely of places. And, and we're, we're, we need to highlight that more, and we need to highlight that better, and we're, we're committed to doing that. But, but in sincerity, there are things that are happening even in and around our church family that we're unaware of at times. There are people who you are connected with um, who, who are doing amazing things um, around the world or even in our local community to make much of Jesus Christ. I mean, when you, when you think through just even our own our own um, church. So they came to mind this morning. I, I, I don't know what they're here. Are the Hogan's here? With the least of these, are the Hogan's here? I don't see it. Oh, there they are. They're waving at me. You guys are hiding back there. So, so the Hogan's have a ministry in the Dominican Republic called the least of these. Vicki Blackson, I don't know if she's here. They're usually over in this section. Has, has this ministry called Every Child is Worthy. We have the Blessings Wagon in Tawnytown that our church is, is working on trying to assist better. We've got... Um, a number of different things happening like that in and around the community. You've got uh, a little love and the, the way that that's so effective in Union Bridge. We're seeing, we're seeing the gospel shared through relationship there. We're, we're, we have so many different things happening in and around our church. I think sometimes that the problem is, is twofold. First of all, we're unaware of them, so we sit back with our hands folded like, man, I just wish God would do something here. And we're blind to the fact that he is. And then the second thing is, we can look at those things and like, look at everything that God's doing here. And then we take great pride in the fact that God's using other people and we never get involved ourselves. And so, so church, let me encourage you. God's doing wonderful things and everywhere you look, there is an on-ramp. Don't keep blowing by on-ramps. There are on-ramps everywhere for you. Well, well this, one's, this one's kind of goofy, but you're going to hear a lot more about it coming up, but and it's not goofy, it's probably wrong to say it, but every child is worthy, the, 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 the ministry the, that uh, the Blacksons are working with. There's a concert coming up to raise funds for that, that, that uh, ministry, and I would encourage you, get, get word out about that concert. We're hosting the concert, the proceeds of that concert are going to that, and it's, it's a great concert. It's Sidewalk Profits, so we're excited about that, not because Sidewalk Profits is awesome and they're going to melt your face. <laughs> we're excited about that because it gives us an opportunity to serve a ministry that's being effective at working with young people. We have another opportunity, and I know you guys are all hoping I would put this one on this morning. It very much matches my outfit. I could go to elementary school looking like this, right? That wouldn't be too creepy. Um, we're starting another uh, backpack drive for Elmer Wolf Elementary. I mean, this, this is all of this. I mean, these two bags are packed. 
These two bags are going to go to Elmer Wolf Elementary, and we're going to try to share more pictures again this year like we did last year. If you could understand what it means for some of those families to have school supplies laid out in their cafeteria where they can just walk through and, and pick what they need, if you could see the looks on their faces and hear the words that come from their mouth, you would understand that this isn't about backpacks. It's another opportunity for us to onboard into ministry within our, our community. So, so there's all kinds of information about that. August 19th is the deadline. The list is out there. Do all those things. It's, it, it's, it's opportunity for us to get involved. Here's another one. And let me, I don't want to embarrass them and I don't want to freak them out either. But um, there's a couple, a young family in our church who is continuing to pray about how God would use them in the future on the mission field. Scott and, and Rachel Booker. And we, we need to do a better job celebrating that. We, do they know exactly all the details? Nope. Um, are we going to support them? Are we going to come behind them? Are we going to encourage them? Are we going to surround them with our love and our arms and our opportunity to, to encourage them? You better believe it. And there better be like a line of people like pushing each other out of the way to get close to them to try to help them out, right? I mean, we celebrate these things because they're continued on-ramps to the ministry of the gospel, both home and around the world. So what I want to ask you is this. This has nothing to do with the message. So you're getting like three messages in one today. You're welcome. Um, what are you doing? What are you doing? I don't have time. I don't, okay, I understand that. Do you have neighbors? Do you go to school? Do you go to work? Do you shop at Food Lion or Kenny's or Safeway? Do you stop in Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts or, or Sheets? And those people who are looking you eyeball to eyeball are the call on your life to on-ramp the gospel to them. So what are you doing? I think sometimes we glorify a missionary, and they are to be commended and celebrated, but I think sometimes we glorify a missionary to the detriment of the fact that we forget that God has called every single one of us to be on mission right where our rear end sits now. Right? So let's be busy about it, church. Let, 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 let's understand what it means to love God most. It means for us to understand that he loved us so much he sent his son Jesus Christ to die for us. Let's understand what it means to love God most, the fact that, that everything we have just pales in comparison to how we view him. Let's remember that. And then let's remember that from that love, from that understanding of how to love God most, will drive our understanding of how to love other people best. So let's love other people best. How? By intentionally sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ through service and relationships in our community and around the world. Are you in? Good. And if you haven't found Proverbs yet, just close it and give up. All right. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 18. I'm going to start in verse 21. I'm going to give this one more shot, Mike, just see if it comes up and, and see if maybe, oh, oh, Mike, you may have been praying. Your prayers for Mike have been answered. I've got control of the clicker. All right, Proverbs 18.21. If you can't tell, it's going to be a little bit more laid back this morning. Have you figured that out yet? All right. Proverbs 18.21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. As you know, we've been walking through Proverbs together. We've been doing it every day on Facebook. Our elders and pastors have been posting a little devotional, a little commentary up there. That has been incredibly enjoyable. That will continue through the month of August, and so I'd encourage you to jump on there if you haven't yet. And, and we've looked at a number of things, but today we're going to look at the power of our words. As Proverbs 18.21 states it, it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. 
That's pretty serious, isn't it? When you think about words, what do you think about? For me, what I thought about was this old adage that was out there that that women speak 20,000 words a day and men speak 7,000 words a day. And that's one of the, the big differences within the, the sexes, within the spousal relationship in marriage. And so that explains a lot of problems that when the man comes home from work, he's, he's, or wherever he's been, he comes home from work, he's used 6,800 of his words. When a woman comes home from work or wherever she's been, she's used six, 7,000 of her words. They've only got a little bit left on the man's side and the lady's side. She could go a while, Right? And so, so there's this conflict that occurs. However, in studying that out, because I didn't want to throw anything up there that wasn't actually true, I studied it out and found out that, the, yes, that article was written. It was written in a, in a um, scientific article called The Female Brain. Um, the problem is that there was no actual findings scientifically to support that argument. And so, that being said, in 2007, a fellow named Dr. Mel, M-E-H-L, used this a uh, piece of equipment, it's actually very interesting, it's called the electronically activated recorder, the ear, to listen in on people speaking. <laughs> it's very creative. So this digital recorder records 30 seconds of your conversation, and it activates itself and deactivates itself every 12 and a half minutes. And so what happens is then they're basically getting between 4 and 5% of your daily communication they had 396 people take part. Not that it, you're, you're all like, yeah, I need to know the data set, so I need to understand that. They had 396 people take part, 210 women, 186 men, so it was fairly even. And on average, what they found is women speak 16,215 words per day. Men speak 15,669. Statistically, there's no difference between the two. Interestingly enough, in the study, they did find one man who spoke only 795 words on an average per day. Um, Yours truly was not that man. And another person in the study used almost 47,000 words on average, and it was also a man. All of your stereotypes have just been blown up. As they evaluated what was talked about, Women talk more about relationships, and they used um, a, a, a language that was more, in the study says, studded with pronouns. He, she, it, we, you, they. They talked about uh, people and relationships a lot more. Men uh, tend to talk more about sports and gadgets, and their utterances include more numbers. Um, or as one person I found <laughs> says this, <clears throat> women speak about 16,000 words a day, Men wouldn't speak for weeks unless they're ordering beer or swearing. Um, Yeah, you know, two different studies, depends on how you want to look at it. 16,000 words a day. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So we better be careful how we're using those 16,000 words, shouldn't we? When you read through Proverbs and you find that foolish words lead to damage, it's death, it's violence, it's a sword, it breaks the spirit of a person, where wise words are life and healing, pure silver, fountain, it's a tree, it's, it's life-giving. So, so if Solomon was to lay out for us a theology of how we're supposed to speak, what our words are supposed to look like, what would we find? Well, we would find a lot. I was telling somebody this morning, uh, earlier in the week, I had finished the message, and I sat down and looked at it, and it had like it had 13 points. And you and I both know 13 points means we're here to lunch. Then I cut someone out, 
Went back and counted, and I was at 15 points. I'm not sure how I cut it out, and it grew. Um, I'm blaming Solomon, not myself. So what I want to do is just hit seven of them this morning. And again, remember, Proverbs, because of the, the buckshot nature of it, because of the, the Twitter feel, if you will, of Proverbs, they're kind of all over the place. So I want to try to keep them in front of you. And again, tomorrow, I'll post all the, the verses that we're talking about here. So what are the lessons we can learn from Solomon when it comes to our words? The first lesson is this. Talk less. Talk less. Proverbs chapter 10 verse 19 says this, when there are many words, sin is unavoidable, but the one who controls his lips is prudent. In the multitude of words, sin is not wanting, is the old King James version of it. The idea is this, the more you speak, the more likely it is you're going to sin, the more likely it is you're going to hurt somebody and offend somebody. It's kind of common sense though when you think about it. I mean, the more steps you take every day, the more likely you are to trip. But, but what, what Solomon's trying to drive home is more than just the, the law of averages and percentages. He says this in 1728, even a fool is considered wise when he keeps silent, discerning when he seals his lips. If we were to actually speak less, we might seem a little smarter than we actually are. Um, <laughs> everybody in our culture today is handed a microphone. It comes in the form of social media. It can be Instagram, it can be Snapchat, it can be Twitter, it can be Facebook. Everybody has access to a microphone that broadcasts all of their knowledge to as many people who will listen. I saw this this week and it reminded me of the danger of such things. So here was a post this week. A kid born in 2010 is now 18 years old. Let that sink in. You're not catching it? All right, now here's the problem. When you're foolish and you just blow it out, some of you are like, oh, yeah, you're right. It's not. The, the, the problem is, is that um, when, <laughs> when you blast that and you get called on it, that's fine, but then you certainly shouldn't double down. So when confronted, here was the response. I never thought I'd need to explain a basic math, but since here we are, kid born 2010, now is 2018. So you add the 10 to the 8, 18. Simple math. Ah, uh, yeah, um, I don't understand that math. Now, in, in reality, that is, we think, a spoof account, fake news, if you will. Um, but the reality is there, the illustration's still there. When you feel like you need to speak, the general, the general consensus is stupidity follows closely. Solomon points out the more you talk, the more likely you're not doing it in wisdom. So, so what does Solomon say about our speech? He says, okay, hold on. You need to talk less. You need to listen more. No, let me, this just occurred to me. Let me throw this at you. Uh, as we go through these seven, I want you to focus in on one. And at the end, I'm going to ask, you don't need to shout it out at the end or anything, but, but focus in on the one that this is going to be the week you're going to focus on that one. You're not going to master it, but there's going to be one that you're going to focus on. Can we all do that together? I'll tell you what mine is. It's, it's pretty obvious, and you, you probably won't miss it for me. But so talk less, listen more. It says this in Proverbs 15, 31. One who listens to life-giving rebukes will be at home among the wise. The one who listens to life-giving rebukes. Let's, let's be honest. It's hard to hear somebody tell us something we don't want to hear, but it's really the only way to become wise. 
And so as somebody comes to you and speaks those faithful wounds of a friend that we spoke about a few weeks ago and shares with you some things that, that you may not be aware of and you hear the, the rebuke, you hear the, the friend who's loving you in a difficult way but still loving you, you must resist the urge to counterpunch. Listen. Take it all in. Sift it like you would sift uh, sand and rocks, sift the rocks out of it, because there's going to be some stuff that's just not accurate, but there's going to be some stuff that really should stick and it should bring some change. We, we, here's the crazy part to me is you hear this, it's like, okay, instantly my little lawyer pops up. Well, what if they don't have the best interest in mind? What if they're not really your friends? What if they, what if they, what if they stop? Do you have something to learn or no? You can learn something from anybody that starts to speak to you, Right? There was this donkey started to talk to this dude named Bill. He spoke truth. You can get truth from a donkey. Anybody else sitting in this room is better than a donkey. I should move on before I have to apologize for something. <laughs> but why, why would you pretend like you have it all figured out? You don't. We don't. I don't. And so we need to listen more. Breathe. Breathe, you see this in, in some of Solomon's words. He says this, an angry person stirs up conflict. A hot-tempered one increases rebellion. When you hear something or see something that you don't like, breathe. We, we tend to respond way before we should, and we respond in anger, and we respond like that poor soul on a game show who, who hears half the question and buzzes in, and gives like this crazy, ridiculous answer because they didn't listen to the whole question. But don't you and I respond that way often? In fact, Solomon goes on to say this, the one who gives an answer before he listens, that is foolishness and it's a disgrace for him. For you to speak against something, for you to, to launch against something without actually hearing what it is. In fact, um, in Proverbs chapter 18, I didn't put this one up, it talks about that when you hear somebody's side of the story, it all seems to make sense until you hear the other side of the story. So in wisdom, you're going to get both sides of the story. You're not going to fly off the handle the moment you hear that first side. That's foolishness. We, we, we live in a world that needs less hot takes and more quiet contemplations, more listening, more thinking, which leads us to the next one. Think before you talk. Um, I told you I would tell you. Here's mine. I tend to be a verbal processor. There's great advantages to that and great disadvantages to that. So basically what a verbal processor is fancy for and a very optimistic view for is a guy who doesn't know the answer to the question and just starts talking until he finds his way to something that may seem like the answer or at least whoever he's talking to will buy, that sounds like the answer, and then you're out of having to answer the question. It's this, this I'm going to keep talking, going to keep talking, going to keep talking. I had a friend, it was actually very fascinating. I didn't realize how much of a verbal processor I was. So I was with this friend, and somebody asked him a question, and he sat there for a moment, quietly. Just, okay, let me give you your answer. I'm going to give it to you in three points. Like, how organized is he that he can give it in three points? I probably would have said everything he said. It would have just taken me a half an hour, because I'd have been like, over here, and then come on back. We, we need to think before we talk. Solomon says this in Proverbs 12, 18. There is somebody who speaks rashly. He speaks quickly. He speaks unthinking. He speaks while well, he blurts things out and he's like a piercing sword. 
The tongue of the wise brings healing. This can be anger. But it could also be someone with great intentions. I'm just going just to say what comes to mind. And, and you don't contemplate what the other person is feeling at the moment. You're not considering the context of the, the situation. You're just blurting out whatever comes to mind. You haven't filtered it, and, and it does. It becomes like a piercing sword. So in your mind, uh, imagine, if you will, the, the somebody walking up to you with a sword and stabbing you with it. It's that, that quick jab where it's in and out, and, and before you realize it, you have a hole in you. That's what it's like when you don't think before you speak. When you just say whatever comes to mind. Proverbs fifteen twenty eight. There we go. The mind of the righteous person thinks before answering. But the mouth of the wicked just blurts out evil things. Because the person who's wise wants to try to avoid saying anything untrue or unhelpful. How many times do we react without truly thinking about what it is that we're saying and what the impact of our words is? So, so here we are. We're four into the seven out of the book of Proverbs. And have you realized that there's actually a whole lot of not talking in the talking thing? We would do well to learn from that. But now we start, how should we talk? We should speak to encourage. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 4, the tongue that heals is a tree of life but a devious tongue breaks the spirit. Healing words, gentle words versus breaking words. Healing words are those words that you speak when you're trying to help the person. Breaking words are those words you speak to snipe the person. Like you're sitting up in the, in the tree and you're going to sneak attack them. Those are breaking words. Those are hurtful words. They're fault-finding words. And instead of fault-finding, honestly, any one of us, if we spend any amount of time thinking about an individual, we can find something wrong with them, right? Because nobody's perfect. All of us are sinners, and all of us are messed up in our own unique little way. So, so all of us have fault to be found, so stop trying to find fault in other people. Instead, look for the evidences of God working in people. And when you see the evidences of God working in people, let them know you notice it. And then thank God for that. So, so real practically, parents, find some of the good in your kids. I know we have all had those weeks where you've realized that somehow somebody stole your little cherub and replaced them with the spawn of Satan. I get it. But especially in those moments, Find what it is that God's doing in them and commend them for it. Husbands, celebrate your wife. Celebrate your wife both to her and to your children. The Proverbs 31 does. We're going to talk about that at the end of the summer, but that's what Proverbs 31 does. It says that her, her husband and her children, they rise up and they call her blessed. Like this, this woman is amazing. Stop being nitpicky, husbands. Celebrate your wife. Wives, be careful not to just notice the things he hasn't accomplished on the list. Notice the things that he has. That's something I'm thankful for my wife. She's very good at pointing out the things I have done. But I always feel guilty when she does it. It's like, oh, I know how much I haven't done. But she celebrates the things that I have. Wives, do likewise. Kids, Stop focusing on everything mom and dad said no to. 
rejoice in the things that they said yes to. See, we can all find fault. And I, and I want to do one in particular just because it has come to my mind and my heart a number of times this week. I want to talk directly to men just for a moment. When we talk about encouragement and building each other up, the tendency is for men to be like, we don't need none of that. Tough love. If you're a man saying that, then you know how much of a lie that is. Men need encouragement from other men. They do need tough love, but they need tough love in truth along with the encouragement that comes with it. Because as a man, any man in this room, you have been or currently are insecure, wandering, discouraged, emasculated, and you need someone to come alongside you and point out something good. We all do. Because what I've come to realize is one of Satan's greatest tools is to dismantle the men's security and then cause them to go look for it someplace other than home. So men, we need to get in each other's faces. We need to tell each other to man up. We do need to tell each other to get over it sometimes. But we also need to get in each other's lives and remind each other of the evidences of grace that we see. Because that's what it looks like to speak with encouragement. We need to avoid gossip. Avoid gossip. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 19 says, the one who reveals secrets is a constant gossip. Avoid someone with a big mouth. I love the Bible. <laughs> I have to wrestle with the ethical dilemma. Do you walk up to somebody and say, can't hang out anymore, you have a big mouth. Um, maybe not the wisest way to go about it. The point is this, gossip is a disaster. You, you, you should never be the one who is gossiping. You should never be the one who's talking about someone. You should be talking to someone. So use that as a check in your head as you're having the conversation. If you are talking about someone and haven't talked to someone, then you are guilty of gossip. But it's interesting as he ends this verse by saying, avoid someone with a big mouth. Why should we avoid somebody that has a Big mouth, and the reason is found in Proverbs 17, verse 4, because a wicked person listens to malicious talk. A liar pays attention to a destructive tongue. Have you ever considered that? The sin isn't just the one who's gossiping. The sin is also the one who's sitting there allowing the gossip to happen and listening to it. Here, here's a couple things for you, man. If, if they've talked to you about other people, bank on it. They're talking to other people about you. Walk away. If they bring something up, it's, it's I mean, as crazy as it is, this is how you handle it. Okay, have you talked to them? No? Cool. I have a cell phone. Let's call them. I promise they probably won't gossip to you a whole lot after that. See, we, we tend to point fingers at the ones who are gossiping. Just as guilty as the one who's gossiping is the one who sits there and loves to have their ears tickled by it. Walk Away. Avoid gossip. Uh, for time's sake, I'm just going to touch this one real quick. <laughs> it's actually pretty important. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22 says, Lying lips are detestable to the Lord, but faithful people are his delight. 
tell the truth. There's, there's, there's no need to manufacture a story. Then when you find yourself lying, exaggerating, manufacturing a story, what you are finding yourself doing is pushing God off his throne so that you could be there and you could be the one that everybody looks at with awe and wonder. You're contending with God for, for, for his lordship. Tell the truth. So, words matter. We need to be aware of how we're speaking. We, know, we need to listen better. And, and so I said something about the seven. So, so think through this. I'm going to read through the seven again. Which one for you is the one that you're like, this is the one this week I'm going to focus on. I'm going to pray about. I'm going to be more concerned about. I'm going to take notice in this. Here's the seven again. Talk less. Listen more. Breathe. Think before you talk. Speak to encourage. Avoid gossip. Tell the truth. I think what stood out to me the most as I studied Proverbs and our words in Proverbs is the fact that that Solomon is not embarrassed or bashful about the fact that we don't listen well. And the reminder in there for us to listen is in there constantly. It's over and over and over again. And so we need to be better listeners. But in particularly, we need to be better listeners when God speaks. When God starts to talk, again, I made reference to it and all of us older folks remembered it, the E.F. Hutton commercials. When E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. If God speaks, you stop everything you're doing and you listen. We need to listen to God Better And when we hear what God speaks, we need to understand that, that God follows all of his patterns that Solomon has laid out in the book of Proverbs. And, and I'm not going to try to trace them specifically, but, but I want to give you a glimpse because in honesty, right now, if I stopped the message, all I've done is given you a how to live type message. You don't come to church to figure out how to live. You come to church but to celebrate Jesus. Find out about what he did. And what God does when he talks, he's very clear. He says, Here, here's the deal. You have a problem. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. He's going to speak truth to you and he's going to lay it out for you. You have a problem. From the moment you took your first breath, from the, from the moment you came from the womb, you were sinful and you continue to sin. You're a, you're a sinner just like everybody else. That doesn't mean you're a particular sinner. You are a sinner. That's it. God views you as a sinner, all have sinned to come short of the glory of God, uh, Romans chapter 3, verse, verse 23. But in the middle of that sin, and you're, you're, you're walking in that path, and you're headed towards hell, and you're absolutely helpless to do anything about it yourself, God says, I love you. Words are cheap in that instance, aren't they? Because he didn't just say it. 1 John 4.10 tells us that God loved us and he sent his son Jesus Christ for us. So while you were helpless to do anything about your sinful estate all by yourself, God loved you and he sent his son Jesus Christ for you. And this is a, a picture that has been stuck in my head for weeks now. Jesus Christ, who, had, who came to earth as a baby, took on flesh. He left heaven behind to come to die for us. Think about that for a minute. Some of us won't leave the comfort of our couch to walk outside when you hear a crying baby. Jesus left heaven to come and die for us. He walked to the cross and where you and I should have laid ourselves out on the cross, where you and I should have had the crown of thorns thrust on our head and the nails driven through our 
hands and our feet. Where you and I should have been lifted up on the cross so that God could pour his wrath out to punish sin. Jesus shoved you out of the way. And he laid down on that cross. And he took those thorns and he took those nails. And he was raised up and he received in his body the full wrath of God. Why? That you and I could be at peace with God. So that you and I could be rescued and redeemed. So that you and I could be justified. Okay, that's, that's great. So there, Jesus did all that, so now I'm justified. No. How do you become justified? You become justified by admitting with your mouth what you have demonstrated with your life day by day, that you need a Savior. You need a perfect Savior. You need a perfect Lamb to come and carry your sins away. And that Savior is Jesus and Jesus alone. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. There's no other way to the Father but through Jesus Christ. So you confess with your mouth that Jesus is who he said he was, and you believe that when God raised Jesus up from the dead, he was proclaiming victory over sin and death forever, and he was declaring you justified through no fault of your own. You do realize the only thing you brought to the table in Christ's crucifixion was another reason for him to be crucified. So some of you here have been justified. You've been saved, you've been washed, you've been born again, redeemed, rescued, ransomed. However you want to say it, that you, you've done that, but you're stuck. You're stuck. You're frustrated, you're discouraged, you're irritated, you're just, I don't understand this, I've been, I'm never going to be good enough in God's eyes. Words matter. And when God speaks, we should listen, shouldn't we? I'm a failure. I'm worthless. <laughs> no. Romans 8 tells us that in Jesus Christ, God is for us. Romans 8 tells us there are no accusations against those in Jesus Christ that will actually stick against them. Why? Because you are justified. But I, I've screwed up so many times. That's great. Romans 8 also tells us there is no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. I'm guilty. I'm, I'm trashy. I'm all used up. My past haunts me because I was just so... No, you are washed. You are a new creature. Sounds awesome. Too bad. I'm just so blah. No, you're not. Ephesians 2 tells us you are his workmanship. You are his piece of art. You are his masterpiece. Words matter. In Christ, you're nothing but what God says you are. You know what God says you are? Justified. Chosen. Redeemed. Free. A saint. Accepted a new creature, an heir with Christ. You're complete. You're a citizen of heaven. You're alive. And to those who call on his name, you're children of God. Would we do a better job listening to what God says? 
than what the enemy whispers in our ear. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. It's, it's always fun to be able to unpack it and look at it, and this, this Proverbs series has been fun. Um, but, but in reality, um, I think sometimes we, we like to moralize everything. Um, so Lord, I pray that you would forgive us for doing that, and instead that we would look at these things and understand that it's, these are whispers from God into our hearts. Lord, may we speak with a speech that pleases you. Would you forgive us for our, not only our untimely words, but our words that show that we are in contention with you? Forgive us for gossip. Forgive us for speaking without thinking. Lord, I pray that you would set a guard on our mouths and uh, cause us to speak words that uh, truly reflect what it is Jesus has done for us. God, I pray today that we would listen to you better. <laughs> Lord, you're, you, you have called us those things, and that is not a mistake. You've called us those things not because we are good and wonderful in and of ourselves. You have called us those things because of what Jesus Christ finished on the cross for us. So God, I pray that this morning as we, as we wrap up our service that we would be reminded of who we are in Jesus Christ. I pray for the one here who's wrestling with that. I ask that your spirit would meet them right where they are and would minister to their hearts. And I pray for the one who doesn't know you yet, that even right now as we sing these things, these truths of your word, that, Father, their eyes would be open, their heart would be open, and they would yield to the tugging of the Holy Spirit, and they might come to know Jesus Christ by simply crying out to him to save them. Lord, we love you. <laughs> Say that a lot. Don't mean it near enough. But this morning, I'm thankful for what you've done for me. So God, remind me again of who I am in Jesus Christ. Amen.